What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to the Pelican Debrief Podcast. My name is Preston Ellis, and you can follow me at Preston Ellis. Now, we've got a very special guest coming up, Mason Ginsberg of Bourbon Street Shots. I'm very excited to get his take on the Pelicans offseason. But before we do that, I just want to let you guys know a little bit about what we're doing on PelicanDebrief.com this week. We're talking some season reviews of the entire roster. We've already got Anthony Davis, Czech Diallo. I contributed Etuan Moore today. So stay tuned for that. Keep looking at the site. Follow us at Pelican Debrief. But now, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's talk to Mason Ginsburg, you guys. It's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome onto the program Mason Ginsburg. How are you doing, Mason? Uh, doing, doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. Now, of course, you guys can follow him at Mason Ginsburg, at Bourbon Street Shots. You can see some of his new material. And at True Hoop Network, in case you guys don't know Mason, you probably do. If you're following us, you're probably a diehard fan and you spend a lot of time on the Bourbon Street Shots website. But a little background, I got this from the Bourbon Street Shots website. Mason began sports writing towards the end of 2010 over at Hoopdat, moved to At The Hive, uh, went to Tulane. Tell us a little bit about your background as a Pelicans fan, Mason. Uh yeah, I actually forgot. We we did those bios so long ago. I was like, oh, God, what is he going to say? What's on? I, I did not even remember what was on there. But, uh, but yeah, uh, started writing for fun after, uh, after undergrad chilling with a, with a college buddy. Um, but I've uh, been, been a New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans fan since they arrived in 2002. My, my family got season tickets when they, when they arrived. We were never Saints season ticket holders. My, we we're a baseball and basketball family. And so I've uh, been – been pretty pretty big on the on the team ever since they've been around. And I tell you what, my dad's from New York, so I was raised until that, until that point. I was a Knicks fan, and the timing could not have been better. I mean, we have we have our share of complaints, but uh, I think I made the switch from Knicks to uh, to Hornets at the, at the right time. And now that you're living in Chicago, have you ever thought about you know possibly cutting bait and uh, following the Jimmy Butler train? God, I mean, the Bulls are fun. Ugh, that that's that's equally you should hear some of the fans up here about that that ownership or that leadership group um not not uh not a lot of optimism here too but uh but i mean it's uh it, it's it's fun to to kind of get a little more in depth on another team that's not in new Orleans and see how how the how the pelicans compare and you know it, it's it's obviously not the model franchise in chicago but it's it's got there there's some similarities and some differences for sure yeah, absolutely. Well, we won't take up any more of your time talking about the Bulls. We are here to get your expertise on the New Orleans Pelicans. And Mason, this is probably the most important offseason in their brief 12-year history, this and the Chris Paul journey. The number one story in the offseason appears to be the future of point guard True Holiday, but this concern is sort of masked by a much darker lurking concern, and that concern is... Almost 90-year-old owner Tom Benson and general manager, or sorry, I should say president of basketball operations. I get the Saints and the Pelicans mixed up from time to time. Once again, we are stuck in wait-and-see mode weeks after the NBA season, playing second fiddle to big brother Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Demps has said, the season just ended yesterday. This was two weeks ago, by the way. I walk in here every day excited about my job. Right now, we're in evaluation mode. Alvin Gentry said, we haven't had the talk with ownership, but that'll happen soon, I'm sure. Mason. It's been two weeks, and we seemingly don't have an answer as to the future of our franchise during the most important offseason, and the NBA draft and free agency are just weeks away. How concerned are you with the seeming lack of urgency from the executives? Eh, you, you, you spin it and make me want to panic, but I, I just, <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's, 
that that's a compliment to you. Uh, but I, I just, uh, I'm, just, I guess I'm just like numb to it at this point. Um, we we found out about Monty Williams firing after we kind of assumed he was safe. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously the the ownership group and the, the leadership they have their own. They have multiple priorities going around going on. It's just something you've got to, I guess, get used to as a as a fan or a supporter of of this team. But I mean, I've been operating the whole this whole time under the assumption that. They're they're here um, unless you know some dr- drastic drastic change happens. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to speculate whether or not that's the right call or not. Um, but I just I, I'm just under the assumption that they're both they are both sticking around. Um, I, I, I feel like even last year we had a lot of uh, they, they put off the, the end of season press conference or, or whatever it was, and everyone just started. Uh, Jumping to conclusions about what that meant and ended up meaning absolutely nothing. Um, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I, I am hesitant to jump to any conclusions about it besides the fact that I think the current group is kind of safe where they are. Um, but I think the un, the inherent implication of that is they things better uh, things better trend upwards quickly um, next at the start of next season or else. Uh, or else you may be looking at some some changes, and that that has its own set of implications too, right? I mean, if you think about Demarcus Cousins, and you know, if you're if you're really thinking about sticking with Alvin Gentry, um, you know, it is and, and he starts off next season underperforming, and the team's not good. You fire him, like in in the beginning of uh, Demarcus Cousins' contract year. I mean, a guy who's had enough head coaches in his in his whole whole seven or however many year career, more as many head coaches as some players have over multiple careers, you know, that's a, that's obviously a concern. So there's a lot of implications no matter what they end up doing. But um, as of right now, I expect uh, the status quo unless, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been wrong before, but that's, that's kind of where I sit now. Yeah. It's a bit of same old, same old. We've been playing this wait and see game for the past three years in a row, but I guess it beats having them in Oklahoma city, like what almost could have happened 10 years ago. Let's go a bit more into Dell Dems, a simple yes or no will suffice if you want to move right on along Dems has, in all likelihood, used his cunning by buying himself another season with this DeMarcus Cousins trade. In seven seasons, he's something like 42% winning percentage, which is 11th in the West. Last year, the excuse was injuries, 351 games worth of them. This season, it was, you know, starting the the year without Drew Holiday and then hitching the wagon to DeMarcus and figuring stuff out. Uh, Dems said, we had a lot of challenges this year, but I do like the direction and the path that we're headed what what do you make about Dell Dems going forward? If you are the president of basketball operations, Mickey Loomis, do you cut him now or do you hitch your wagon to this Dems Gentry Demarcus Cousins bandwagon for one more year? Oh, I'm I'm really glad I'm not in charge because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I uh, I, I think I, I do think. Well, I mean, I, I do think the Cousins trade kind of saved his job. Uh, I mean, I, and I think uh, I don't think Dems has done a great job over the course of his. Uh, tenure or over his tenure as GM, but I do I do think he deserves more credit than I think he's gotten for the Demarcus Cousins trade. Uh, I mean, he he, he I think he nego- I mean, it's pretty clear that he negotiated the Kings down um, from what we thought was a grandfather like or, or we thought was a pretty great offer for the uh, from the Pelicans' perspective to an even better one. I mean, I, I think all of us were just kind of blown away when. We found out it was only one first-round pick and a, and a second-round pick and, and Buddy, essentially. And so I think he gets he deserves credit for that. But at the same time, 
uh, if you're basing your decision on his future on that move, um, I think that's probably a mistake. So um, it, it all depends on who you're replacing with, right? I mean, I, I, it's, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, Dell Dems has got to go. It's harder to say Dell Dems has to go who, and name the replacement, you know? So um, it's, it's, just, it's just a complicated question. Do I, do I think he has earned the right for one more season because of the Cousins trade? No. But you also would need to have a, have a real plan in place for uh, who you're going to replace Dems with. And, and on top of that, what you're going to do with the head coaching position. So um, there's a lot of decisions that would need to be made. And it, it's not as simple as, oh, Dell Dems has got to get fired. And, and so that's, that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, and that's the difficulty here. I talked to Jeff Duncan of the Times picking in a few days ago, and he said uh, the ownership kind of goes where the wind takes them. It never really feels like they have a direct plan in place. They just, you know, see opportunities and they grab them. Um, I took, I looked at the poll on NOLA.com. 87% of fans want Dems gone. 72% want Gentry gone. So it's clear where they stand. But, uh, you know, like we just said, Dems, Gentry, and Boogie, their fates are now inevitably tied together probably for this remaining season. Should the Pelicans make the playoffs? You have to believe all of them stay. Everybody gets extended for at least another year or two. But let's say we enter January five games back of the eighth seed in the West again. Does it make sense to you, Mason, to let a lame duck general manager dictate the fate of the Pelicans at the trade deadline and possibly make a decision like trading DeMarcus Cousins? No, I mean, I think you're right. If, if we're if they're at that situation, they've got to they've got to make sure that you don't you don't have. I mean, and honestly, this has been a concern for a while now. About, um, but that I mean, so let me back up. That that concern also goes all the way up to ownership, right? So you have if you have a GM who is being kind of dictated by, as you said before, an almost 90 year old uh, owner and and that group to really get win as soon as possible. Uh, at, at any cost, and I'm not saying it was, they've done this at any cost, but it's it's a really it's a tough situation. I feel like to Dempsey's credit, he's had to uh, make decisions at times with one hand tied behind his back, and in, in terms of maybe he didn't have the, all the same resources in terms of taking the long view with some of the other um, you know uh, uh, front offices around the NBA. Um, but 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 that being said, I mean, if, if you come to January and they're they're out of the you, you have Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and you are not a playoff team, you I mean there there are some serious serious issues and that that's you know I I, I want to believe that 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 would not be the case. The Pelicans were a pretty pretty darn good team in um, in March once they figured out this whole uh, Cousins and AD thing. Once they started getting a little bit more chemistry together. So I mean, if, if that's if that's really the case, and they're out on the outside of the playoffs looking in with two of the top 15 players in the NBA, yeah, you, I mean, you've got to make some some pretty serious changes, and you you may even expect it a little before that. Definitely, in March the Pelicans were uh, 10 and six, I believe. It was their only month with 10 wins or more. I think they went on eight and three run at one point. I did an article on Etwan Moore yesterday, and with Demarcus's addition, the plus minus on each side, offense and defense dramatically improved. Let's talk a bit more about Boogie. He averaged somewhere around 24 and 11 on the year. He's got a lot of heavy competition for the All-NBA team, including Rudy Gobert, Marcus Saul, Cat, possibly even Brow among centers, and DeAndre Jordan. Do you think he makes one of the All-NBA teams? Nah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that, so it seems like, and I saw this the other, uh, I think yesterday, the early, early returns for uh, All-NBA voting, and it's about 12% of total, so by no means a, a representative sample, but um, AD has been getting the center team, the center votes, um, which makes sense because he played 
more than half the year at, at center. But uh, him and him and Gobert are going to lock down two of those spots uh, already. And so you're talking about one spot left, and you've got, you know, you, you've got DeAndre Jordan, who I think is not as as good as Cousins, but he's playing for a, a much better team in the Clippers. You've got Marcus Saul. Uh, I, I just I I don't see Cousins making it. Uh, I think he's I, I think he's close, um, but I don't think he's going to make one of the All NBA teams. And and I you know I I don't know how concerned he is with something like that. To be honest, he's got enough he's got enough uh, else to deal with with the trade and 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 figuring out you know what what uh what his next season's going to look like. Yeah, and finding a place to stay probably. I talked to Jordan Crawford a few weeks ago, and the the trades just happen at such a furious pace that. Some of these guys don't even have a place to live or a car. They're eating takeout every meal. It's pretty insane. But one more, one more boogie question. He kept Gentry's pace. Uh, I read a lot on Jake Madison's article today on Bourbon Street Shots. He was often criticized by us, by guys on your side for sort of lazily joining the offense in transition, just sitting at the foot of the three-point line. Some say, you know, Drew couldn't get him the ball in the elbow where he likes it. Some say because he was shooting 45% from that spot and Gentry sort of wanted him there. And others because of a sore Achilles and being a bit out of shape due to limited practice time. Is this the transition offense we're going to continue to see with Boogie? Or do you think it changes, or do you think it was just a result of injuries and being out of shape? Um, I don't even know if it was. I I I, I don't want to rush judgment and say he was out of shape. I do I I do think the Achilles uh, case. I don't think that's the the reason, but I think it it certainly you know if you once you hear he hit a sore Achilles and played through it for a while, I mean you can understand. Oh, uh, he can he'll take some shortcuts when he uh you know when he feels he should. Um, but I mean, talking to some of the, uh, some of the Kings writers, I mean, they, they are, are anyone who followed Boogie on the, on the Kings. I mean, this is, it's not like this is a, a rare occurrence, but I, I mean, I think, um, I think what you saw, uh, from the Pelicans offense in March is you're, you're, you obviously see some things tweaked in the off season when they have a full training camp to really practice together. And you, you're going to see, you know, Gentry and, and the coaching staff really try to, um, sit down and, and, and figure this out and make sure what they were doing was the best. Cause I mean, it's not just on. You know, it's not just the players that are changing. Uh, you know, changing teams midseason. That you know, suddenly your coaching, your your GM makes the trade and tells your coach, "All right, you've got to completely kind of, you've got to figure out how to fit this, you know, this square peg in a round hole." Um, even though that square peg is one of the best players in the league, it's still still a major major shift from what you were doing before, right? You're playing Anthony Davis mostly at center, and now now you've got Cousins at center, and that's uh, you know, and and you got to you know make it work. And obviously, again, it's. It's it's nice to be able to have a player of Cousins' ability to who will help make that process less less painful. But um, you know, I, I think I think overall, what you end up seeing in March once they started to to, to mesh and, and and play better is is pretty pretty close to what you'll see next season. But I, I would not be surprised to see some some changes and uh, and maybe and some adjustments when uh, you know, once they've uh, had a full camp uh, to really figure out what how it is they want to play. You know, I'm going to go off topic for just one second. Stick with me, if you will. I've heard so much talk about uh, franchises having difficulty acclimating to new players and in a, integrating those players into their systems and stuff. And I keep having this uh, analogy that Bill Simmons always mentions, like if the aliens come to Earth and and the fate of our civilization is is due to like a basketball contest. And let's say you have like, I don't know, a great team like the San Antonio Spurs are challenging the aliens. Are you like, are, are people trying to say that you wouldn't put Chris Paul on that team just because it might affect their chemistry? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, 
That's a really tough one. I mean, you look at – so uh, I'll think back to the Miami Heat uh, back when, when LeBron, Bosh, and, and Wade got together. Like, that team was that, – that team started slow. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, in a one-game sample, I mean, it, if you're they talking about a, a great team with real chemistry and continuity versus, you know, potentially adding a little more, a little more talent, I, I, don't, I don't rock the boat. I, maybe – I mean, if you're going to tell me I can add a guy like Chris Paul – Maybe I, you know, Adam. Maybe I bring him off the bench, something like that, for for one game. But I I, I do value, uh, you know, assuming the team is already at that level, I, I value that that chemistry uh, over uh, over adding uh, maybe one su- supreme talent for on a for a one game sample. Yeah. Thank you so much for going with me on that. When I listen to Ryan Schwan and Michael, that that question's always buried in the back of my head. Like, do you want to add that that person, or do you want to just like slowly like you know integrate them into the lineup? But uh, let's let's get to our central storyline because I want to talk a bit about this. It's Drew Holiday, of course. It's it's the word on everybody, the tip of everybody's tongue. He just won an NBA Community Cares Award. By all accounts, he's a great guy. Bleacher Report dubbed him the best defensive point guard in the NBA. Uh, of course, his season was up and down. It's been well chronicled by everybody with the beginning of the season, with his wife, and then with the boogie trade uh, affecting some of his numbers and percentages. Del Demp said, obviously, we would like to have him back. He's got a tough decision to make. We're going to let the process play out. And uh, Demp said he believes that Holiday is the best option for us to be a good team. You'd have to believe his agent, Jason Glushon, you know, told him he wants the five-year $176 million, uh, you know, max extension, according to Larry Kuhn. And you'd have to think the Pelicans wouldn't lay down that contract, but maybe Demps and Gentry are waiting from the go-ahead from Loomis and Benson. The Lakers, Nuggets, Knicks, and 76ers are said to be interested. What What is your take on Drew Holiday, Mason Ginsburg? Do you want him back, and at what price? Yeah, of course. I, of course I want him back. I mean, he's – there are a lot – assuming the Pelicans can get him for a, a reasonable price and they have that sort of agreement, the Pelicans have a unique situation with the fact that they can uh, – they can play with his, uh, you know, they can they can keep his cap hold on the books and and try to maneuver around it and then sign him last. And so if you can get him for a reasonable price, that probably gives you the most chance, the best chance to really maximize your talent on the roster right now. Obviously, there's a there's a threshold there, and once you once once the scale tips, even though you can keep his cap hold on the books, his, his if you if you're going to pay him too much, that's going to cripple you in the long term. And so. Uh, it feels like talking to some of the other guys on our site, we're, we're all kind of in agreement around where we think the, the line for Drew is. And it sounds like, you know, four, four years, 90 million, I think is where uh, ballpark, where a lot of us are sitting. I, I also said that I would go to, if you give them a player option for a fifth year, at, at maybe a hundred to 105 million. So that would be a lower annual value, but you give him the option to extend that to that fifth year, which he, I mean, you could, I could see him, he's potentially valuing, um, but, but yeah, I think 490, um, 495 at the absolute most is, is where is where I would uh, would sit with with Drew, and I think that's that's um, that's, that's that's pretty fair value. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not an easy decision for him for or for or for the Pelicans. I mean, they he's obviously a great talent, um, but he's he's not a guy you can just write a blank check and, and max max out for for five years. I mean, the nice thing about Drew is that. I, I, this summer, I think he turns 27, and so even if you gave him a five-year deal, uh, it's it's not like he's going to be taking it. It's going to take him through his mid-30s. I mean, it's going to he gets to 32 the, after the summer after his last the last year of the deal. So you know that's 
that's as long as you believe, and I, and I do, that that Drew's uh, knee injury is behind him. I, I, there's not really a, a reservation there from a from a contract length perspective. It's all about the dollars. Definitely, and Drew's been pretty quiet uh, about his plans in the offseason. Uh, I like the numbers that you mentioned, four years, 90 sounds fair. Uh, just for the fans out there, he is eligible for four years, 130 on the free agent market. I would be shocked if somebody ponied up that much for him. But whether he stays or goes, uh, Dell Demps has said, we're going to look at a lot of options. Gentry said option A, option B, option C, based on what Drew does. We're going to broaden our search to find the best possible outcome for the season, obviously shooting. And we've got a couple of our own shooters with question marks next to their names. We've got Dante Cunningham, who's got a player option of $3 million. We're waiting to see on what he's going to decide. And then Dell Demps has been quoted as saying he would consider Quincy Pondexter's return as a free agent signing. He called it bad luck, the infection following his surgery. Uh, let's start with Dante Cunningham. Do you think he opts out? And how much do you think he's worth on the open market? I believe he just turned 30 last week. Yeah, there's like a, I'm not, I won't say zero, but there is a 1% chance he opts into the last year of that deal. I mean, once with the cap jump now, I mean, minimum salary for him is going to be like, uh, like uh, half of that. So, I mean, the risk reward here is, is pretty, pretty heavily skewed towards uh, towards low risk for for him to to opt out. And he, I mean, he shot I, I can't remember he shot close to forty percent on the year from three point range. I mean, now I don't I'm not going to say that's sustainable unless he's shooting just corner threes. And granted, that's most of what he shot with with the Pelicans last year. But uh, he he'll, he'll get he'll get more than that on the on the free agent market. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he could he could probably sign a one year deal for, for maybe close to to double that. But uh, but yeah, I, I just don't see any possible way that that Cunningham opts into that to that contract, and you know, that's that's kind of I, I I was talking a lot about the the trade of the Cousins trade and why you know why the the Pelicans ended up trading uh, uh, Langston Galloway in the in the deal and getting getting Caspi and if and one of the uh, interesting arguments that I can't remember if it was Jake or or, or McMara, but mentioned that. You know, yeah, you probably don't think that Galloway is going to opt into that last year $5 million contract. But if you're thinking about operating under the cap and there's even like a 10% chance that he's going to opt in, it's better to move him. And that's, that may have been the Pelicans' line of thinking for this, uh, for, for, for that deal. But I, I just think there's, and there's no chance that Dante opts in. And to expound a little bit on Quincy Pondexter, uh, I read Michael McNamara's uh, article today. Uh, talking about possibly utilizing him in a trade, stretching a Sheik, trading a Jensa. I don't think it's likely that anybody takes on a Sheik's contract, even with a first attached to it. What are some of your ideas on creating cap space this summer? Do you trade Quincy with a Jensa and a first-round pick? Do you stretch a Sheik? What, how would you create cap space? Um, I mean, option one, if you really, if they're going to stay over the cap, there is, there's probably no reason to do any of that stuff just because and I don't think they'd have to do, they'd have to do some serious uh, magic to, uh, uh, to come to, or to come near the luxury tax. And if they did, unless they maxed through, obviously. Um, so now if we're assuming they're going to operate under the salary cap, then the easiest, easiest first thing to do is to stretch Omer. I mean, uh, I, I just, there are, I, you you could find a few teams to trade him to who could. I, I know McNamara wrote about the idea of sending him to Dallas to, to and and Cuban could just stretch him pretty easily. I just I 
I think that's going to cost it's going to cost New Orleans something if they really want to move that contract. And so I, I think if you're trying to make space, may as well just stretch it. Uh, if, if you're really looking to maximize your uh, your spending ability in the in the short term, and you don't want to jeopardize any any assets moving forward as, either. So um, stretching on there is easy. Um, training Quincy and Agenda will not be. Uh, you you have that second round pick this year that is which is I, I can't remember 40th maybe uh, and so you could attach that to maybe a Jensen and hope that 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 makes it work but you also think about have, have to think about the order of operations here a team's probably going to be much more likely to say okay we'll take a Jensen after free agency shakes out and some of those top players are gone rather than I mean it's going to take a lot to to to, to move a guy like a Jensen or, or Pondex or that salary up up front because teams are valuing that that cap space that they have so. Um, so yeah, I mean, the other the other pieces would be more difficult. Um, so I just I think those are the moves you would have to look at. It's it's Pondexter, it's Agenda, and it's and it's it's Ashik. So um, but, I mean, you could you could get rid of them. Uh, the question is 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 how much it's it's going to cost you. Yeah, uh, one of our buddies over at the fan side, Denver Nuggets side, Matthew Huff, he uh, mentioned an interest in Agenza because, hilariously enough, every time Agenza plays the Denver Nuggets, he ends up playing well. So they had a bit of interest in him, maybe for uh, Will Barton. They're really heavy at shooting guard over there. And as far as the second-round pick, maybe you can help me with this. Uh, The 34th pick was in possession of the Pelicans by way of the 76ers, but according to NBADraft.net, that is the pick that went to the seven uh, to the Sacramento Kings, and we right. are holding on to our own pick, which is 40th. I don't understand all the dynamics of that, but that's the way it sits according to them. So, like you said, we will we will pick 40th, and we lost that 76ers pick. Now, I've got one more question before I let you go. Obviously, we're all very excited about our D League team coming in 2018. Just today, it was announced that they are down to six finalist cities. We've got Baton Rouge. Jackson, Mobile, Pensacola, St. Tammany, and Shreveport, and Del Dempson, Alvin Gentry have both mentioned that they want a team in proximity uh, so that they can call players up and down whenever they need to. Pensacola seems like, uh, do you know, what is that, like a four-hour drive? Shreveport's got to be like four or five hours? I know Shreveport's five. Um, Jackson is pretty close. It's, I think it's about the same distance as Baton Rouge, but just in the other direction. Uh, Mobile is uh, two to three. Pensacola is four. Um, those are Mobile's a guess. The rest are, I'm pretty sure about the rest. Um, oh, so I've done you that. Get to decide, Mason. Where do you want to put this squad? Uh, no. Hmm. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I was thinking. Uh, I mean, Baton Rouge makes a lot of sense for proximity's sake, but I think if you're really trying to expand the uh, the fan base. Um, I think ja- either either Jackson or Mobile are both fine options. Jackson's Jackson's close. Um, I think Mobile's a, a bigger city, so uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it seeing it Mobile and try to really broaden that fan base as much as you can. Um, you know, Shreveport Shreveport's pretty equidistant from Dallas and New Orleans. Actually, it might be even closer to Dallas. So uh, I think I, I think Mobile might be your uh, might be your best bet if you're just, if you're trying to keep it close enough while trying to really extend your reach uh, as an organization to to, to uh, attract more fans and, and really um, make make that pitch. So I I I go with Mobile, but I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be upset if it ends up in just in you know Baton Rouge. Mason, thank you so much. We are out of time. One more thing before you go, you guys can follow Mason 
at Mason Ginsburg. You can read his material at Bourbon Street Shots and True Hoop Network. Mason, uh, tell our listeners about some of the stuff that you'll be writing and contributing to coming up this summer. Yeah, um, I will be, as, as usual, just following, uh, following free agency, free agency pretty, pretty closely, uh, monitoring, you know, as we talked about at the top, the, you know, the, the, the leadership and, and head coaching situation. And if, if there should be some sort of change, we'll be, we'll be all over it. But, um, but yeah, we're all, uh, we're all very excited for the, for the summer. Um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit, a little bit about the draft too. Um, fingers crossed for the, on lottery night that, that, that the Pelicans can get get pretty pretty darn lucky, but um, but yeah, uh, be all be all over everything. Uh, so it's, it can, there there are definitely peaks and valleys in the off season, but um, we're ready ready for the fun stuff. Mason, I've been following you for years. This was a pretty cool kick for me. So once again, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, love to. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Mason. You guys, that was Mason Ginsburg at Mason Ginsburg. And thank you to our friends at Bourbon Street Shots. Now, to give you guys a preview of what we've got coming up, we've got Brendan Clean, also of Bourbon Street Shots, coming up over the weekend. Thank you so much to him for appearing on the program. In case you guys don't know Brendan, well, he used to run this ship. He used to be the site editor at PelicanDebrief.com. So uh, very excited to have him back and put him on the other chair he used to host this podcast back in December. But for now, you guys, a little bit about me, Preston Ellis, at Preston Ellis, a little bit about our site, pelicandebrief.com. We are doing season reviews of the Pelicans roster this week. And if you've made it this far, do us one more favor. Go on iTunes, rate, share, subscribe, retweet us. We really appreciate any support we can get from you guys. And uh, yeah, just stay tuned. We're going to keep slinging these pods at you all off season long. We're not going to leave you in the dark. So for now, let's go Pels!